This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Today we have Ted Douse on the show. Ted is a instructor at HITS and one of our partners at HITS. I'll uh, let Ted maybe introduce himself and kind of talk quickly about his background. Most of you probably have met him and know him. And today we're going to talk a little bit about a new case that is kind of an old subject, new case. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Ted. And Ted, if you can just kind of briefly you know, give a little introduction about yourself and then we'll talk about the show today. I uh, graduated law school in 91 and been a prosecutor that entire time. So going on 28 years, which uh, the vast majority, 22 of which, was in our upper level drug trafficking narcotics area down here in Fort Lauderdale, Broward County, Florida. So in South Florida, we have plenty of business, drug business. So search uh, and seizure and motions to suppress and the whole nine yards, which would obviously encompass narcotics dogs. We're a big dog state down here in Florida. So um, I've kind of made a niche of it of understanding uh, dog deployment, dog law, dog theory, changes of behavior. Um, so I kind of got a little bit of an, a decent understanding from a handler's perspective and a excellent understanding from the legal perspective. So I kind of put the two and two together. I hope people really like uh, what I have to say and it makes sense for the average dog handler across the country since I've been doing it for going on 28 years. And heavily involved in, in our industry as far as the, the dog side of it. I, I yeah. know you're yeah, passionate you know, about it. So you're, yeah, two you've United got, you've States, got experience. Two yeah. United States Supreme Court arguments I participated in, uh, both dog cases and wrote a book or co-authored a book, I should say, Canines in the Courtroom. And I've been lecturing all over the country, state and federal, uh, for the easy the past 10 or 15 years. You obviously lecture at the hit seminar that we put on. So, uh, oh, yeah. so they, I hope people all like come this, out to, you know? yeah, I hope people all come out yeah. to see us at hits. We uh, had uh, 1,100 uh, handlers in DC last August, it was very successful. And we're yeah. going to have that many or more in Chicago, August the 13th through the 16th. And of course, this year in Chicago, we're sponsored by Yukonuba. So uh, we thank them for their sponsorship. And we hope that, um, you know, at some point in time this year, for sure, or any other year in the future that you guys can come out and see not only myself, but uh, everybody else, because we work hard at providing good quality uh, conference and good quality speakers. I agree. So today we are... Uh, uh we're going down different topics and you came across a, a, a newer case that again, like I said, it's, it's something that we've talked about a lot, but I'll let you kind of explain the case and we'll go over we'll do. the details on it. Okay. Yeah. That's a, if I can pat myself on the back for 10 seconds, it's one good thing that I pride myself on is that I try to stay up to date because, um, you know, for the handlers that you, you just, not repeating the same old stuff in the same old lecture. So lo and behold, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but there's a case called United States versus Campbell came out January the 8th of 2019. You can't get any newer than that. You're probably not going to get many lawyers that are aware of this particular case. 
Um, and it came out of the 11th uh, Federal Circuit Court of Appeal, which sits over uh, Alabama, Georgia, and the state of Florida. And the reason why Campbell is so important, and my handler friends and road patrol friends, if you uh, you want to really want to take note of this, because it's a spinoff of a case from the United States Supreme Court called United States versus Rodriguez. And Rodriguez, which most of you are probably familiar with in some small fashion, is what we call, in the, if you just use the common language, it's that interruption of the primary purpose of a traffic stop. And by that, I just simply mean that when you first make a traffic stop, either your road patrol officer, when he or she makes it, and you arrive secondarily on scene, or if you are the handler that makes that traffic stop, um, and it's something develops to where you want to run your dog. Your primary purpose under the law, and it's highlighted in Cabalas, and it's highlighted in Rodriguez, is simply that your primary purpose at the time is still traffic until something else develops, let's just say with the utilization of your dog and a final indication to narcotics odor emanating from the vehicle. Until that would really happen, your primary purpose is traffic. So Rodriguez, to cut to the chase, was a case that says, well, you can't deviate from the primary purpose because then you're delaying the traffic stop. You're interrupting the traffic stop. And you're interrupting it for some other purpose, some other criminal reason, some other kind of narcotics investigation, if you want to say. And they had convinced the court at some point in time that here's the key issue, is that the court in Rodriguez says, well, you can't prolong the traffic stop. And to me, my argument, and the way a lot of cases, cases across the federal government and the states are ruling is that whatever you're doing during the course of the traffic stop, as long as somebody is achieving the primary purpose, um, and it, if you're going to be there for 10 minutes, you know, you're going to be there for 10 minutes, but you can't add anything or prolong the end of that traffic stop to allow like a drug dog to arrive or anything sure. else. But what they've kind of ended up being successful in maybe 20, 25% of the states that's currently being argued is that they're convincing judges, oh, but if you're there for four minutes and you interrupt or you stop or you deviate or you abandon, there's all kinds of words that they throw out there, that, um, and you start doing something else. I mean, and they hold something else to literally mean like you, I don't know, you know, take a phone call from your wife. Um, you go sure. get your drug dog out, you, whatever it is that you do, um, but you're no longer achieving the purpose of like authoring that ticket or researching the ticket and researching the driver and it's DMV history and it's criminal history for once and warrants. And you're not doing whatever those, let's just say there are hypothetically 12 things you do at every traffic stop for every ticket. Um, and you're not achieving those 12 things or uh, uh, striving to achieve those 12 things. The 12th thing would be like handing over the ticket and telling the driver they're free to go. Um, if you're not doing those things, you've now deviated into some other area. Oh, that's a constitutional violation. That's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. You've prolonged the traffic stop yeah. from the four-minute mark to the five-minute mark to, to do something for that one minute. And they've ruled, and I'm using my air quotes now, um, some cases they buffaloed some courts and judges to say, well, that 
interruption from the four minute to the five minute mark has delayed the traffic stop and prolonged it or something. I look at prolonging as look, if it's going to be there for 10 minutes and whatever you do during that 10 minutes, the, the guy is going to be there for 10 minutes. So as long as you're not keeping him there for 11 minutes, you're not prolonging the traffic. Stop. Sure. Um, that argument, believe it or not, holds weight in a lot of courts, but in some areas of the, the country, it doesn't. So now we're having a conflict with the United States Supreme Court. We're having some conflicts within the states. But here, let's cut to the chase. So, Ted, tell us about this 2019 January decision of Campbell by the 11th Circuit. Well, folks, hold on to your hats. You may want to pull over um, if you're listening to this in your car. Campbell, as of I don't know what, 10 days ago, has ruled that if you go up, you're allowed to ask certain questions and you're not allowed to ask certain questions at the driver's window. And for instance, they say things that like talk about, you can ask questions about their license and about warrants. And you can talk about the vehicle's registration and insurance. And you can uh, do things that relate to officer safety. Um, they even said that you could ask questions about, like, where are you going and where are you coming from? Uh, those are all legitimately related to the purpose, let's just say, of the speeding ticket or whatever violation you would have. But if you deviate from those style of questions, as in Campbell, and hold on, folks. This case was either, I forget whether it was body camera or dash camera with a microphone, but it was caught on there. And this officer in Campbell went on to ask a few more questions. When I mean a few, I mean like three or four more questions. And it he talked was being about. A good cop. Yeah, you, know, you, yeah, you would want him out there being proactive. And he says, you know, well, is there anything in your car like counterfeit CDs? or bootleg CDs um, that you want to tell me about. And the person says no. And he says, well, do you have any drugs in the car? Like, And he names off several, like cocaine, methamphetamine, marijuana, heroin, or anything like that that I should be aware of. And the person says no. And I think there was one other random question um, about some other you know type of crime that would be going on. And that was it. And the court actually acknowledged that, okay, for 25 seconds, he was asked like three questions. And that was deemed, they made an argument that that Rodriguez case that we just talked about, they made an argument and the 11th Circuit, lo and behold, said for that 25 seconds where he wasn't talking about licenses and warrants and registration insurance and it had nothing to do with officer safety, that he was investigating other crimes unrelated to the traffic citation, the counterfeit CDs or bootleg DVDs or whatever types of drugs and things that might or might not be. That was a prolonging of the traffic stop by 25 seconds. And that prolonging of the traffic stop was a violation of the Fourth Amendment uh, because he deviated or she deviated from the primary purpose, which was purely traffic, by asking questions outside of the parameters of officer safety or traffic. And I had to pick myself up off the floor when I read that because um, I purely, purely believe in my heart of hearts that Rodriguez was never intended to say that you can't engage somebody in casual conversation about what might be going on in a criminal activity 
uh, while the officer's there on scene writing a ticket. Sure. And, and they have taken the Rodriguez uh, prolonging of a traffic stop to its craziest, craziest degree now. It in you know, before Rodriguez turns out to be like a dog case where, okay, well, I stopped writing the ticket to either run my dog for a minute around the car or I became like the backup officer while these officers who arrived secondarily on scene was a canine handler. And I took a safety point up so he could run or she could run her dog around the exterior of the vehicle. So therefore, although I disagree with it, I understand what that's nobody's riding traffic or achieving traffic or investigating traffic for that minute. I, I, I disagree with the argument that that prolongs the traffic stop if they'd have been there anyway. But I understand that there's a minute interruption. It has nothing to do with traffic. Extending that into three questions about drugs or CDs or DVDs or counterfeiting, or is there anything in the car you want to tell me about that relates to some other crime? And somehow that's a Fourth Amendment violation. 25 is, seconds. What's that? 25 seconds. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's beyond uh, my comprehension. And um, so all I'm just kind of alerting you is you mean the listener um, out there that um, this Rodriguez kind of interruption has now gone from, let's just say, a completely, you know, canine related, you know, running the dog for a minute at the five, six or seven minute mark. And, and there was that gap of a minute to run your dog where nobody's processing a ticket to, holy cow, if I ask a question or two and those questions are deemed to be outside the parameters of normal traffic stop or safety-related issues, you've committed a Fourth Amendment violation, according to Campbell. And, um, and now, you know, again... turn into a big trend, do you? Well, I, I hope not. And he, this is the best part, is that, I mean, I hope the federal government is appealing this, and, you know, the only other court it can go to is the United States Supreme Court. Um, I think this is crazy. I think it's crazier than anything else you're going to hear me talk about on any of my lectures on any of the topics or any of my other podcasts before or after or at hits in August. Uh, I think this is so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs that it's just something that the United States Supreme Court may take up because I cannot fathom. You know, let's carry it to its craziest end. If they determine that one question you ask at a traffic stop and it was a nine minutes, or excuse me, nine seconds. They get a question and an answer. And they say, oh, that was outside of traffic. You're in traffic stuff. Then, therefore, that's a nine-second violation, and that's a Fourth Amendment violation. So anything after that is, you know, a delay or a prolonging of the stop. So whatever you find or stumble into or the person admits to or whatever, um, you've already committed a search and seizure violation. I, I just yeah, don't, I don't think that they're going to swallow that. That could be as simple as, you know, hello, sir, how's your night going? And now we've invalidated the whole stop. Well, clearly. I mean, uh, it just depends on how crazy you want to get. Yeah. Is that considered yeah. a social question? <laughs> yeah. uh, are you being polite and say, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm here while I'm waiting for your driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. And I'm waiting for your criminal history to come back. So instead of standing here silent like a bump on the log, I say, you know, or maybe I asked some general, you know, like I said, you, well, is there anything in the yeah. car? I mean, I've even discussed it with a couple of handlers down here. Here's some advice I'm going to give to everybody that's listening. Um, since they do say that officer safety is related to the traffic stop because it's related, make sure that when you ask your question and saying, instead of saying, 
Um, are there any drugs in the car? You have any cocaine or heroin, which would be a, you know, not an officer safety issue. Um, just turn that question that you're probably you you know used to asking. Make it more of a: Is there anything else in the car that I need to be concerned about, um, or that you want to tell me about? Um, because that clearly could you could be asking about a weapon or a knife or a gun that someone wants sure. to tell you. And um, that question, style of question for officer safety purposes is permissible. And that also could lead somebody to saying, well, yeah, I'm going to tell you I've got two grams of cocaine in my pocket. And your intention was, is there anything that I should know about in the car or that you want to tell me about in the car that should concern me? Uh, you're thinking, they think narcotics, but as long as it's uh, you testified that the question was really officer safety related and that they voluntarily gave up cocaine. Um, that you were talking about weapons and knives or guns or anything that can harm you, and they took it one way or other. So I think if you walk yeah. that Switzerland line style of questioning, that you'll be okay. But clearly, if you say like, "Hey, is there any narcotics in the car that you want to tell me about?" Um, according to Campbell, that's a f- delay of a traffic stop, and your question and that answer delayed it for seven seconds, and that's a Fourth Amendment violation. And, um, and then for those of us that aren't in the 11th Circuit, that's not necessarily law of the land at this point, right? They could, if it gets to that point, they, well, could, they could use that as, as guidance, but... Correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have yeah. some, like the 8th Circuit, and I'll be honest with you, for the listeners out there, you know, the 11th Circuit is not a liberal circuit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, it's looked upon as a fairly conservative circuit. Um, the 8th Circuit is generally thought of as a very conservative circuit. It's in the heartland, like over... Um, Nebraska and those areas. So like the eighth circuit could have something very similar and they could say, well, no, we disagree with the 11th circuit, which is actually a good thing because that gets you quicker to the United States Supreme court. Because one thing that the United States Supreme court's not going to tolerate on a, on a fourth amendment issue is they're not going to have the second and the third and the 11th circuit doing X while the yeah. fourth, the fifth and the sixth and the eighth are doing Y. And then, and they're doing it saying we're doing it because the United States Supreme court tells us to do it this way. Um, they're, they're going to say one of you are doing it or interpreting our decision correctly. And the other one's misinterpreting our decision and and applying it incorrectly. They will not stand for, you know, half the circuits doing X and the other half doing Y. And they're all both saying, because Rodriguez tells us to do that. So that even if we hopefully we do get some other circuits out there that that disagree with the 11th circuit and it causes what we call conflict and the United States Supreme Court could step in and, and resolve that federal conflict amongst its own circuits but um yeah no it's 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 a guiding but it's a strong guiding opinion because it comes from a fairly conservative court and it's the first time i've seen the interruption of the traffic stop type of rodriguez issue applied to questioning and, and, yeah. and, I mean, we're not talking about like, I talked to the guy for eight minutes and then next thing you know, it was, how about those dolphins? Aren't we having bad weather? And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, are you a, a, a Scorpio? I mean, things that are completely yeah. unrelated. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're carrying it out to, Hey, are there any narcotics in the car? And boom, sorry. Yeah. That had nothing to do with speeding. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the takeaway though, for this is, you know, for, for our listeners is, like, like you always say, the sky's not necessarily falling. Maybe just be cognizant that, that a fairly conservative court threw something out of left field to us, and we just need to make sure that you know we're doing 
doing everything as best as we can and just understand that that ruling is hanging out there and, and maybe talk to your, your current prosecutors and make sure that, that they're aware of it and, and see, see if they have any guidance for you because yeah. they might be the fight that, to fight for you. That's very true. And I, I just want to alert, you know, a lot of canine handlers are part of interdiction teams. So just note that if you're doing interdiction, highway interdiction, and the guy's speeding, and maybe there's a few factors, but those factors don't really add up to reasonable suspicion quite yet. And at the traffic stop, and you walk up and you say, hi, driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. And outside of, I think they allowed where you're coming from and where you're going, they found that those were permissible. If you get into too far of what you probably traditionally would say, I used to be able to ask at an interdiction stop. Um, you get too far afield, then you're, it's going to apply not only to canine handlers and things like that, but to your average interdiction, highway interdiction cop could be deemed, um, you know, applying to that. So this has a greater application outside of canine. So if your canine guys are listening to this podcast and you're one of a seven or eight man interdiction squad, you certainly want to bring this up at your next, uh, you know, round table weekly discussion that this case yeah. Campbell. Uh, decided out of the 11th Circuit, uh, January the 8th of 2019 exists, and have them read it and probably sit down with a prosecutor or something, make them aware of it and get their legal opinion of what they think about it, how to apply to your jurisdiction, if not, because you're correct. Um, it's not binding on everybody, but it's certainly per what we call persuasive sure. on everybody. Uh, and it's, so, it's anti-law enforcement. And my question there is, and you touched on it, is if I am an interdiction guy, canine or not, and and I'm doing what I usually do, but for whatever reason, we could go over any different facts, but I have hit the level of uh, reasonable suspicion now. That case isn't going to be as binding, right? Because now I can further investigate what my reasonable suspicion is. Correct. Correct. Yeah. If you had, let's just say, and I won't belay, you know, belay the podcast, yeah. but if you had five factors um going on and those factors are reasonable suspicion factor add up to reasonable suspicion yeah. then you could start doing your traditional interdiction and other questions because your reasonable suspicion develops let's say reasonable suspicion that let's just say that narcotics activity is taking place yeah. then you can obviously then ask narcotics related questions because you have that reasonable suspicion but again this would only apply to if you're up there really having i hate to say it some kind of basic conversation about driver's license, insurance, proof, and registration, and maybe officer safety, and just some real basic questions. In this case, where are you yeah. coming from and where are you going? They said, you know, anything outside of those, no, no, no. Yeah. As long as but all you had at that most- point was basic traffic. But certainly if other yeah, things develop, and then you can go down other roads. And reasonable suspicion is not the highest hurdle. So if you've been working that area, it won't be all that hard to articulate. So right. some of this might be making sure that you articulate your actions correctly. Right. So you, very much so. I mean, real quick, you can have, you know, where, if you can ask where you're coming from and where you're going, you could have source city to source city. You could have yeah. rental car. You could have eight air fresheners hanging from uh, yeah. a window yeah. and, you know, nervousness or sweating when it's cold or, you know, lack of eye contact. All those things may add up to reasonable suspicion. you got to have multiple of them. But you put four or five or six of those together and you could have reasonable suspicion. Then you can start asking sure. other questions. Yeah. Okay. That works. So if you guys like these types of uh, cases and this type of study, you can meet Ted. You can see Ted's classes at HITS in Chicago. Again, we'll be in Chicago on August 13th this year. We're going to be at the Hyatt. Our seminar, we're expecting over 1,000 handlers 
Uh, we'll have over 100 vendors, lots of different uh, instructors. So whether you work a single purpose, dual purpose, whatever, we'll keep you busy for those three days, including in the evenings. We have a lot of social stuff we do. It's the world's largest canine seminar, and we're hoping to see everybody there. Go to hitsk9.net. Hitsk9.net will give you all the information, give you the schedules, show you the instructors we have, a lot of the different uh, vendors we have. This year, we're sponsored by Yukonuba. So we thank Yukonuba for stepping up and sponsoring Hits 2019. Uh, Hitsk9.net for the information. And if you want to reach me, I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. You can reach me at jeff at hitsk9.net. And if you want to talk to Ted about anything or have any questions about this or really anything, Ted's a great wealth of knowledge, contact him at ted at hitsk9.net, ted at hitsk9.net. And all that information is is on our webpage, including our bios, so you can check out what we're all about. And I appreciate your uh, all you've done tonight, Ted, and the information, and we'll catch you on the next podcast. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Hits Radio is brought to you by the professionals at Hits Training and Consulting. Don't miss out on the world's largest law enforcement canine training conference coming to the McCormick Center in Chicago, Illinois this August. HITS has the most diverse class schedule to fit your training needs. And with over 100 vendors, you'll find everything you need to gear up for your next shift. Register today and save at www.hitscanine.net.